welcome to Super Entrepreneurs Podcast. Today we have with us Jeffrey Potvin. How are you, Jeffrey? I'm doing very well. Thank you very much for having me today. Oh, it's my pleasure. Did I pronounce your last name correct? I just want to. You could put a little French twist on it if you like and call it Potvin, but Potvin works great. All right. Sorry about that. (laughs) So, how you been? I've been great. Thanks. Yeah, no complaints. Very that's happy. A, that's awesome, Jeffrey. That's awesome. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Um, allow you to kind of introduce yourself, all the amazing things that you do, um, the way you would like to introduce it. Go ahead, please. Perfect. Well, again, thank you for having me. I'm excited to be uh, in front of your community. Um, well, as you mentioned, my, my name is Jeffrey Pavan, or I go by JP. And uh, I'm an early stage investor. So I work with early stage companies uh, in the pre-seed and seed round. Uh, We've built inside of and around the global community for early stage startups uh, through a brand called OPN People Network or OPN.ninja. And we invest through a fund called the Supporters Fund. And we've built all of this up to uh, enable and and help early stage companies move their way through to get to Series A and all the way up into success, uh, their own success or live markets. But we're excited for what we do every day, working with a lot of amazing entrepreneurs and you can't go wrong. So it's always dynamic and exciting. That's awesome. So for anyone that doesn't know, the Series A is the first step in the investment series, correct? Well, that's where VCs will come in. So mm-hmm. uh, early stage investing is usually uh, friends and family around, pre-seed and seed round. That's where we um, we dabble in and, and invest in. And then once you kind of start to jump more into the larger rounds, uh, you're going into Series A up. And that's kind of where you found your groove. That's where you've got a good-sized team. And VCs or venture capitalists uh, will come in and start making larger investments. In our case, we are an angel VC, so we are venture capitalists. We invest, uh, I guess, larger quantities into these early stage companies, and we work with them to help them get prepared and grow their business uh, so that they are more uh, VC friendly and and larger investment friendly. That's awesome that you provide that kind of support. So do you actually put your own money in as well? Correct. Yes. So uh, I, I invest in our fund. So I've been in each round. Um, I'm the largest investor in our fund currently, but I'm trying to change that. Uh, we're, uh, we're working on our uh, closing off our second round and we're working on building into our, uh, a third fund, uh, which is uh, fund three. And uh, we'll be pushing more into, into, into the institutional space and larger base investors uh, so that we can continue to do the great things and, and supporting this community. That's awesome. Great work that you're doing. So can you tell me how or tell us how you got into this? Well, it's a, it's a pretty fascinating story if once you start to think about it. Yeah. It's almost like I fell into it, um, but I kind of didn't fall into it in, the, in that terms, but I like to kind of share it that way. Um, when I was earlier on in my career, uh, I had a thing for early stage companies. I really enjoyed working with them. Uh, when I was in the software side as a software engineer, I was really interested in how these uh, early stage companies worked. My first role was at Loblaws, and I worked as uh, in the software uh, development side, customer service deep into that sector. And we did a lot of uh, development work and startups would come in and we would try to look at them and see how they could solve problems. Um, and then as I continued to work my, th- my way through uh, the large organization, uh, I spent a lot of time, a lot of hours working there because I was just a huge fan of the whole Loblaws IT environment. And a lot of the 
front, uh, front and admin office. They would see me, but they had no idea what I, what I would do. And because <laughs> I was in the coding side, they just would, they decided that I was a good fit. So what they would do is they would introduce and relay all the phone calls and emails that would come in about wanting to pitch Loblaws into me. So oh. I decided that I would just take them on. It wasn't part of my role, but I was that excited. I'm like, this is cool. So it's awesome. I brought them all in and I would redo their pitch decks. Uh, I would try and figure out what they were trying to accomplish and then get them in front of the right VPs. So I spent about three, four years um, in my later part of working uh, at Loblaws, um, working with these startups, bringing them in while running and building all their e-commerce platforms for Loblaws. And what came out of this was just a huge, huge um, excitement for what entrepreneurs were doing. And I had been doing my own side projects and coding throughout my time during school and whatnot. So as I progressed and I moved out of uh, Loblaws, I moved into an early stage company called Caboose, and they were basically a Facebook for moms. And I helped them launch and build uh, their platform while continuing to work with startups. So they still kind of followed me around, even though at that time I wasn't able to invest, I was still able to work with them and help them work their way around. And then when I decided to go out on my own and create my own software company, which we have today, and we use it to, it works and invests in, it, um, does development and resourcing for enterprise customers, I continued to work with startups. They still continue to follow with me. And throughout that time, I started to then make investments. I started to be able to have the capacity to do it, started making investments into them. And then about six years ago, uh, these companies that we were working with and investing in came and said, hey, we really need help trying to get in front of investors. Uh, we need to improve our pitch. We need to get in this community. Can you help us? And I kind of just left it. I didn't think anything of it. I was too busy building out my software side of it. We have offices in Pakistan, Philippines, and Toronto. So it was keeping me quite busy. And they came back again. Hey, we really need some help. And I was like, you know what? This sounds like an interesting problem. But I kind of forgot that I had worked with startups this entire time because it wasn't something I was doing every single day. So it didn't come into my forefront that I had known this space really well. So uh, as time went on, I decided to take on the, the challenge. So we, uh, we created an event. Uh, actually, sorry, before we created the event, um, I was invited to a podcast and it was a live podcast like this about six and a half years ago. And uh, I was so excited after the podcast that I called the person that invited me to it and I asked them if I could create one to do the same thing, but on a different structure with startups. He was all over it, 100%. So we did. So we started a platform where we would bring in big business and a few startups, put them on a panel so they could meet each other so that I would hopefully cross-pollinate and then they would get an opportunity to get into that big business. So we'd find companies that really could fit into these bigger organizations. We ran those for about a year. And while we were doing this content, uh, we decided, well, we should build an event just for startups and then Pitch It TO started. And that was about just under five years ago. And from there, uh, we haven't stopped. We, uh, this month will be our 100th event and uh, live event that we've run, I guess, online, offline. And uh, from that, we've learned, we've pivoted, we've grown in the community. And, and our, our whole focus all changed from that day that I, I guess I jumped on that podcast and when I realized when I was working with these startups that I had been doing this for 20 years and didn't even realize how much I really enjoyed it. And then I've turned an entire business into just working with startups. That's awesome. So what a year was that in Loblaws? 
I was in Loblaws from 2001 uh, to 2007. 2000. So I, w- I was there around 2008 and 2010, I believe. Yeah. That would have been just that, after I yeah. had left. <laughs> left Small world. Yeah. I started off, I took a, a, and I guess one thing that people would know, I, I what I actually did was I took a role because I was an entrepreneur building my own code, doing my own things before I ended up going to school. I just loved school. So I kept going. Um, but I took a job in the warehouse and I was in the warehouse training in September 2001 when uh, uh, the Trade Center had that occur. And we watched it on the TV, but that was my first week of training working at the Loblaws Warehouse before I made my way all the way through big to corporate side of things. So for the next seven years, six wow. years. That's amazing. Yeah. So this event that you're talking about, what is it called again? What is it? What is the title? Well, we have the event that we run now is called Pitch It. And we've kind of branded it a few times, but now it's, it is changed from Pitch It To, Skip The Line, all of these uh, ways that we defined it into a program called Pitch It, the Pitch It program. And the program's made up of, uh, we see about 300 companies a month and we net them down to the best 10 companies that pitch. And we work with them through uh, five coaching sessions, uh, deep dive, data room, and a couple of pre-pitch events. And then we take the best eight out of those 10 and they pitch in front of um, a global committee of angel investors. So there's a seven minute pitch, 10 minutes of Q&A. And that Q&A is done by eight global panel members and they're screening. So they're looking to work through the data, the details. So they do Q&A for 10 minutes um, and they're three Canadian, five global. And then we have a global community of investors that are over 50 plus investors and they're looking for deal flow. So literally dialing in to find the best companies and then reaching out to them and hopefully making investments. And then we invest as well. That's awesome. So what, what would be a, a dummy's version of the steps? So say someone had a startup idea, for example, how would they go about it? Like they would first go on a website to sign up. Like how, how would it work? Well, there's a couple of different ways to, to look at it. If, you, if you're really early on and you have an idea or some sort yeah. of idea, we have partners that fit into this space as well. So we, we don't, um, we will mitigate and maneuver companies around to get them to the right spot, but we're not the facilitators of that early stage build. We can do it, but that's not the best opportunity. So what level, what level so, do you guys come at? For example, if it's a software company, would you want the software to be all ready before they come to you and pr- proven results? Uh, yes and no. It depends on where they've come into the market. So if they're purely ideation, then we'll refer them to, uh, we have a partner in the US, we have Founders Institute, which is in Toronto, it's all over the world, Founders Institute or Seneca Helix. We'll reference them in and say, hey, go learn with them, build up your, your modeling, your business plans, all of that good stuff. And then when you've got that part done, come back and see us. Because we want to be, we're, we're classified as being first money in. We want to be the first one to invest in your company. And then we want to bring you the market and bring you the first to market so we can have others invest in you alongside us, but we'll be first money in. So we try to do that um, at that stage, which is you're, you're ready to build or you're built and you're ready to launch. Okay. That's where we want to come in. Good. So it's, it's right at that early cost. Perfect. You spent all your money uh-huh. and the government's uh, giving you some few dollars to grow. And then we want to be able to jump in there. And then there's, you'll grow, you'll start to get market traction and build up. And then we want to be able to invest again and then get you in front of our community again. 
So when you're talking about building, for example, launching, what do you guys do? Does it, do you support at all angles, like advertising, what branding and all, all like legality trademarks? Like, do you have departments for all sorts of, of areas that you cover or? No, the best way to look at it is that we're a facilitator of this, uh, of the actions that need to occur to help your business uh, thrive. So we have partners that will take care of uh, if it goes into branding. We do have uh, our deep tech side where we can do development uh, for the startup, but all of the things around branding, uh, ad spends, we have partners that we work with that will facilitate that legal side accounting. We have partners that take care of that, but um, we'll guide you to where the right direction is because at the end of the day, what we're trying to do is work with you to put together this great package put a bow on it and then send it out to the market. So we want all these partners okay. to kind of wrap that up nice and tight so that you've got a really good execution. I understand. Yeah. And then we'll use the dollars we invest in to help you facilitate some of that. And then next stage, next stage. And each stage, there's another grouping of people that will come in and help work on your business. So as you migrate along and start to bring on board of directors and advisors um, marketers and all these different people, those all happen at different stages of the growth of your business. And as you raise more funds, more talent will come into your business to kind of help you through those next stages. So do you end up losing a lot of shares that way? Well, dilute yourself a little bit as a founder, you'll have to vet out what you think is the best way to go to market and how you're going to vet out the people that are coming in. Some you're going to pay, some you're going to offer uh, equity in the company to, but the really the big thing you always want to look at is that um, if even at an early stage, equity is like every share you have is worth like a million dollars. Even on the books, it shows that the company is only worth a million dollars. Treat every share like it's worth a million dollars. And then just figure out how can I do the most for the least amount of equity or the least amount of dollars so that I can survive to go to the next stages. And as I prove my model out, I can start to give away a little bit of that to get growth money. A little bit more of that to get uh, bigger dollars that are going to help you move faster. It's exciting stuff, eh, Jeffrey? I love I love hearing this kind of stuff, like launching and and startups. And I've, I'm quite uh, intrigued by this. So how how do you, if someone wants to be part of this, how easy it is for investors to jump in? Now we we covered the the people with the ideas. So what about the backing, the back office? You know, for sure. So. Uh, we started over the years, we run um, investor meetings, um, obviously, to come in to take a look at it. There's kind of two sides to this. Uh, when you become an investor, you have to be an accredited investor in order to invest in these early stage companies. So that's just a, an approval format. There's certain criteria that the government requests that you have to sign off on. Then that allows you to start making these types of investments. There's crowdfunding where you can go to invest through uh, online where you're allowed to invest at $1,000 or $2,000 into a company. Uh, it's on a minimal side, so the risk is really reduced. Um, and then, of course, there is friends and family raises where you know people and you decide to jump in and give a few dollars. You're going to learn as you go, um, you know, all the way from my first investment to uh, where we are today. You learn through that. You're going to have failures. You're going to have wins. But the risk is there and you have to determine, am I willing to risk my capital for the bigger gains at this stage or am I more apt at coming in at a series A, B, C, D, or do I want to just play in the capital markets and just run my through the stock markets? So you have to decide on your risk factor. But once you've been um, 
accredited investor and you've been given that value or that denomination of what you're choosing to do, then from there to get into investing, you can join angel groups, you can join funds like our OPN fund, supporters fund, or you can go direct into uh, a VC and in- invest in the venture capital space. Again, it's all dependent on the risk factor that you're willing to take. Uh, so what, we run. Go ahead. Sorry. I was going to say we run. Uh, we just started last week and this week we started running um, a monthly, or I guess it's been every week because we're closing up our fund too. We've been running lunch and learns to educate people on what it takes to become uh, an angel investor. What do you need to do? What kind of things that uh, make up an angel investor? So how, how do you do due diligence? Like there's all of these different factors that will go into it. We don't go into super deep, deep details on each one of them, but it's really trying to figure out, should I make this investment? What does that investment look like? Who else is investing in the company? What kind of due diligence have they done? What due diligence can I do? Um, and then really, I guess at the end is how do I, uh, how can I make that investment? And what does that investment look like from an opportunity side? Am I coming in as a, a friends and family raise at a under a million dollar valuation, or am I coming in at 3 million and I'm putting in 50,000 on a 3 million valuation? And again, that's all going to be determined on where that business is positioned and where they're going and where you feel you might be able to help that startup work their way through the ecosystem. So your background might be in deep tech and you're going to invest in a deep tech company where you can make introductions into uh, other big business. You can help them close customers. So you're going to do whatever it takes to make sure your money survives. Whereas if you're investing in Apple on the capital markets, I'm sure Apple's not really going to be too uh, overzealed by hearing your email about how you're going to introduce them to um, a mobile carrier. That's their job. They're going to take care of it, right? So you have a lot of room to play at the early stages, which is what makes it exciting versus your other one where you drop money and then just kind of walk away. So for you, I don't know, I'm not sure if you can actually share this information, but what was your worst investment and your best investment? Like you don't have to say the names, but maybe can you discuss that or? For sure. Uh, well, to a point, I, I can share as best as possible. Yeah, best as possible. Um, there's personal, there's lots of, I've done lots of personal investments and of course done uh, investments through the fund. So there are good and bad investments on both sides. I would say that the, the currently the, they're all amazing investments. Every investment we've made, even the ones that fail are still amazing investments because one, we risked the capital because we believed in the entrepreneur and we believed in the model. So hands down, everything I've invested in, I would never take back. I think it's, it went through the, the course of time it needed to. Some had more success as we would deem success from monetary value. Others had success in the fact that I, we learned a lot or I learned a lot. And uh, I paid for that learning. So I look at it as, yeah, losses are learning. And um, I learned a lot in that process. And I needed to do that in order to get here today. So in saying that, some of the um, more notable wins uh, right now, we have a company that uh, in our portfolio, um, in the fund portfolio, and as well, I'm one of their um, earlier investors in the company, which is Flow Water, and they're going to market. They're doing a reverse takeover on the TSX, um, and they'll be going into market in May. So that's pretty exciting uh, because they are going into the markets, capital markets. You're very excited about that. So that's been a, a great investment. Um, and a great group of people, like for, uh, for everything they've done, absolutely phenomenal. Uh, a real big brand around um, the health and um, natural space. And they've done a, a phenomenal job in expanding that brand across North America. From 
The, uh, I guess the tougher side of, uh, of investments, uh, there's a few that probably come across our mind, but I, I think the learning I would take from a, a bad investment is when you're doing your due diligence, you even have to do due diligence on the investors that are investing in a company because sometimes certain things get out of hand or some things go a little too far and you're not able to um, manage or control them being that you're not an owner in the company. Uh, you may be an equity owner, but you probably have non-voting shares. Uh, you don't have those capabilities if they don't even get to the opportunity to vote. So I think when you're making investments, one thing I would always recommend is to do all your homework and learn as much as you possibly can about the people that are investing in the company with you, around you, um, in earlier stages than you, depending on the when you come in. And of course, the due diligence on the founders and the team. So what are they doing? What are they about? Uh, can you dive into their financials? Can you dive in? You want to get as much information as you can. And that's really going to help you uh, in making those decisions. And one other thing that I've learned that's pretty significant in anything you do in life, nothing needs to be done tomorrow. So if you're being pushed to close something in an immediate fashion, and you don't feel comfortable, walk away. Nothing mm. has an immediacy that needs to be solved in that short amount in of time. one day. Yeah. That's a good point. I don't know where that lesson came from, but I'm sure I learned yeah, it somewhere. Sure. <laughs> something must have happened. <laughs> right? <laughs> to break that about. Um, so where do you want to take this? Like, what, what, are you, what are you thinking? Like, where do you want to... Because it's apparent that you're, you're doing well. Uh, it's the concept is great. And the best thing about it is that you're actually helping people. Money aside, business aside, growth aside. You're actually providing something, a way for someone to, to make it easier for people in any format. Uh, but where do you want to take it? Like, where's you must have a goal, must have that dream. Now, you know what? I want to take it to this place. Where is that? What, what are you looking at? Well, it's a great question because my mind is racing to a lot of different pieces to this question. Uh, but when I was asked this question when we started, it was always asked, why are you doing this and how do you make money? And when I first started it, I didn't actually have an answer for that. And I would just say, because I was looking for great investments. That's why I'm doing this because it's a, it, the business loses money. It's not made to make money. It's made to make great investments. So in order long to make great investments, yeah, long term, long, this is a term, long term, yeah, it's not your cash flow, cash flow exactly. uh, business. So I, I built a business that would build a funnel to get and help a lot of amazing people build their dreams. And we wanted to do it because we saw that there was a lot of problems in the market. And we wanted to be the ones that were in there to help facilitate that. So that when you thought about building a company, you came to us. When you thought about an investment, you came to us. And you knew that we were going to give you the top-notch assistance without taking your equity, without taking and breaking your company or stealing your money. It was all about how do we help you get in front of the right people so that you have a better chance to succeed. And inside of that, we're going to make an investment because we now got to learn who you are. We got to work with you. We see that you have this drive, that you're almost a psychotic founder, which I like. People that are just driven as hell. Those are the people I want to invest in. Um, and, and that's what kind of got me interested in this. It was a space where we could share our thoughts and our directions and our feelings around what they were doing. And we didn't really so much look at the monetary value. We looked at the long-term value and we said, okay, if we get in now, exits usually take seven to 10 years. How do we build in this network and how do we grow this over time? So we wanted to build a brand and we wanted to build a global brand. And, you know, five years later in running this, we see over 300 companies a month. We've touched over 70 countries. 
Our five major countries are uh, the UK, uh, Israel, India, US, and Canada, where we have the most companies that we talk to on, an average, uh, on a weekly basis with investors included. That's pretty exciting. Um, and from that perspective, you know, we, we accomplished that goal. We wanted to be a global brand. So now how do we globally invest? So our funds are structured so that we could start to globally invest. So we started off with a Canadian fund one, fund two. Fund three is going to be North American based, which starts in May. And then fund four, we want it to be global. So we built a pattern to say, okay, let's start small. Let's build our way into this community. Let's show people what we're made of. We know this is going to be a tough battle. No one's just going to hand us the keys and tell us to drive the Lamborghini. We're going to have to start work our way up and, and show people what we can accomplish. And it's going to be a long-term plan. There's not too many VCs that you know that started last week and they're uh, of course. pulling out billions of dollars and they're the big name in the market. You got to build up value. You got to build up uh, and show the world what you can do. So five years in, we've got another 25 years to go, but we're building in tools. We're building in products that allow us to balance out our automation, our access to startups, our access to founders and funder, uh, into uh, investors. So where does this take us? It, it allows for us to keep building a vision because we're stable and we know what we're, we're, we're trying to achieve. So each year we can slowly pivot and, and change to the markets, but we can also envision that we're going to be a global fund. We're going to be a, a build in a new debt product. We're going to be um, the, the key spot for investors globally to come in to find deal flow. So you can envision it and then you just start actioning it. And that's kind of where we've been building this off to. And maybe, maybe we'll, uh, we'll, we'll set up something nice where a group will want to want to buy the fund or something. Who knows? Those are lofty goals, but right now we're just trying to build uh, a value for the startups and help them win. Yeah. It's a great cause, great, amazing stuff that you're doing. And you know, the impact you can do, not just on the people, but the, the products you can bring to market. Cause uh, we're just, you know, we have so much potential in us as human beings. Um, we just have to increase our awareness and that awareness increase brings more and more technology, more and more ideas out in the market. And you're that, you know, funnel. So it's amazing. Um, we always like to ask our guests what their inner superpower is that got up to this point. I love it. It's a great question. We, uh, I'm a big fan of that. I like to use the same question, but not the inner superpower. I just have to ask, what is your superpower? So I'm interesting on the inner superpower. Is this, is this a different structure? Like, is this something that comes from inside out? Like I'm highly emotional or something or what kind of. So, so uh, anything that we do in our results is coming from inside. So everything that we do is inner, inner game. Like it's an inner game. Like if you don't, if you don't achieve something, it's usually because you lack something inside that you're not pushing your body to move towards that goal. Physically, your, your body, your body is an instrument of your mind, right? So yeah. inner means like what's going on in you that got you to this point. It could be determination. You know, some people might say that I have a very keen um, look on, on finding uniqueness in people, right? So certain things that are inner, like I'm not asking what's your superpower, how, you know, how you can build a house with your physical hands, right? Something that got you to this point. Well, there's, there's probably a few things. I'm going to say that a lot of it comes down to your drive, your tenacity, your morals, like how you look at things, how you react to things. Uh, and I would say a lot of it comes from, you know, your upbringing and how you look at life and how you reacted. So your family upbringing and, and your network and things like that. I think that supports a lot of um, myself and, and where we've come from. 
I think having a strong support of your family too makes a big difference in, in how anything you're going to do in life. So I think it carries a lot of weight in where I guess my inner self comes from. Uh, but I'm also very driven. So my, uh, uh, when I, I, it's almost Asperger's, but I, I basically focus and then nothing will stop me till I accomplish what I got to do. So that's why I look for psychotic founders that nothing will stop them. I guess you yes. can look for yourself and other people, but uh, you know, I, I said that one day I'll be a $50 million fund and I will be a $50 million fund. That's it. So, and it's not like, oh, he's just making this up and just saying stuff. No, I will make it happen and I will figure out a way to do it. And uh, it won't be done in a week, but it will be done in the time frame that fits and suitable for us showing what we can do. So I think in essence, you, the superpower that I would carry is that it's the, it's the power of your network. It's the ability of your drive. And it's the uh, execution of of your of your goals, and uh, awesome. Those are what keep me moving. So yeah, it sounds like it's more like faith and belief. You know, you have so much faith inside that you know that is going to be that fun, no matter what. Like that's it. You know, that's there's no ifs or buts about it, and that's the beauty of that inner power that you have. And it's it's a great share. Thank you so much, Jeffrey. And again, I wanna I wanna thank you so much for coming on the show been a pleasure talking to you and um if anyone wants to get in touch with you obviously you know they can an audience if they're looking for any guidance or any kind of support if you have an idea if you want to chat jeffrey's your guy and again thank you so much jeffrey i love it and 100 we're always open the doors open we want to chat with everybody and see where we can help and we'll help you guide you, your way through that early stage but the only way to get there is to risk it and go for it so if you got an interest to start a company or you've got an idea, it's not going to get off the page and it's not going to get anywhere if you don't take the two steps and that's opening the door and going after it. So don't let anybody stop you and, and uh, believe in yourself and it'll happen. Amazing. Amazing. Great words. Thank you so much, Jeffrey. You bet. Thank you.